Uh, we're going to stick with basketball. We've done a lot of playoff talk today, uh, but there are a whole bunch of teams that have already been eliminated. And I've turned the page and looking forward to 2017-18, and that will start with the NBA draft to give everyone a little bit more information on the guys they'll be picking there at the NBA draft combine this week in Chicago. Our next guest was there. He's as good as it gets when it comes to uh, projecting, predicting, discovering information, registering opinions, and video insight on the guys who will be called on the NBA draft night uh, a month or so from now. Jonathan Gavoni from Draft Express, good enough to come aboard here on CBS Sports Radio. How was your week in Chicago, Jonathan? Always a lot of fun, Jody. How are you? Good. Always a pleasure. Thanks for hopping on board. How many NBA draft combines? Did they have they always called it the combine, or did no, they? It was the pre-draft camp uh, when I first started doing it. It was at Moody Bible, also in Chicago, and then they moved it to Orlando, Wide World of Sports, and now it's back in Chicago at the Quest, which was you know, Tim Grover's old gym. It used to be called Attack. So they they co-opted the NFL expression of a combine. But they've had something like this for years now. You've been going to it for years. What about this year's, other than the fact that you gave us a good rundown on the geography of it, how it's moved, uh, the way they did it, the way they set it up, any significant changes this year? No, not really. It's been in in its current format now for this is the third third year now where – they're pretty much focusing on the five-on-five. They're trying to get pretty much anybody that's willing to play um, to play, and uh, they're just they're, they're just doing you know measurements, athletic testing, interviews, uh, stuff like that for basically the first-round caliber prospects. But it's kind of turning into the top half of the second round now. Is not participating either. And you see a lot of quite a few guys that are projected to go in the top ten. Um, eight of the top ten guys in, on my draft board currently were not even in Chicago at all, which that's a new thing. So it it was a little bit of a bummer. If you're looking for you know lottery picks, top twenty guys, you're not going to find it. You know, Markel Fultz was he was in and out. I, mean, I don't think he was even there for 24 hours. The Aaron Fox came for a little bit longer. Um, but, you know, he pretty much just did measurements and team interviews and a little bit of media. And so, yeah, it's, um, you know, the NBA's they're they're fighting the good fight, but it's um, it's it's a real challenge for them to get to get anything outside of the medical examinations, which is really the, the, the most important thing that that NBA teams are looking for. Yeah, and they're gonna, not getting them right. I was going to ask. Well, I understand if players don't want to compete in any kind of scrimmaging, or even if they don't want to do the drills, uh, if they think that they're a lock, top 10 pick, lottery pick, whatever, and they uh, don't want to weigh the potential downside, even if it's limited, uh, there's nothing you can do about that. But why wouldn't you show up just to do the medicals unless you got something to hide? Why wouldn't you show up to talk to the teams and get in there and glad end and make yourself available to potential teams that can pick your name? Again, other than you had something to hide. I don't get it. Well, some of them might have something to hide, and some of them don't want to have their medicals in the hands of teams that they don't want to go to. I mean, the real the real thing that you hear from agents is, why is the NBA Combine held before the lottery? Why can't we have the lottery first, and then we can see who's drafting where, and then we can get a better idea of who do I want to interview with, who do I want to have my medicals, 
And, you know, and, and that way it, it just makes it, there's a lot more clarity. I mean, there's, there's a couple of those teams in the top 10 that agents will tell you they're there. They're going to be in the top. They've been in the top 10 for 10 years now, and they're going to be in the top 10 for another 10 years because of the way that they're run. And we just want nothing to do with them. And we don't want our clients going there. And so if we can do anything in our power to avoid going to these perpetually bad franchises, we're going to do it. And so that's why they avoid the combine to avoid submitting to the medical. And that way, once the lottery happens, they can decide here are the five or six teams in the top 10 that we're comfortable going to. This is our draft range. And the rest of them, you know, can can shove it, for lack of a better term. <laughs> Jensen Grody of Draft Express, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, I guess I understand that, and it does make some sense. It's pretty presumptive and obnoxious, but hey, that's what an agent job is to be as an advocate for his player. Um, would the NBA ever think about reacting and, and trying to either move up the draft lottery so the combine comes after or push the combine back so it comes after the lottery? Would the NBA heed the words of the agents if they thought it would get more guys to show up and maybe make it a, a more significant event? Yes, that that came up in, in the GM meeting that, you know, that they traditionally held the first day of the combine. All the GMs get together with the league and, you know, talk about a lot of different things, also not, not draft related. And so that was one of the things that was brought up in the GM's meeting. Another thing that they brought up was, why don't we tie an invitation to the green room, which is, you know, that's the top 17 or 18 guys who are actually invited to the draft with their families, which is, you know, an incredible experience for any guy. You get, you know, he gets to get up on stage and shake Adam Silver's hand. And so they're saying, if you want to go to the green room, you have to come to our draft combine. If you don't do it, we can not, not invite you there. And so that's an idea that they've kicked around and they've also tied potential incentives and in players contracts say, you know, because there's a there there's a, a gap that you can you, there's more money you can get in your contract that every team just hands to players regardless, and they say, well, if you don't show up to the combine, you can't get that, and so it would take out a player's paychecks and also out of agents' paychecks in the same way, and they're thinking about that potentially as an incentive because you know it didn't used to be this way. I mean, I remember Kevin Durant going up and down shooting threes, Greg Oden shooting threes, Michael Beasley. Anthony Davis, you know, all these top guys, LeBron James was at the Combine. So, I mean, there's really no reason why, you know, these guys today, why Malik Monk and Larry Markin, I mean, why, if, if, if it was good enough for LeBron, why is it not good enough for them? That's the question NBA teams are asking. Fair enough. Uh, no Euros at this year's Combine? Well, there was one, Jonathan John, a 7-2 All right. French center with, a, with almost a 9-7 standing reach, which would be one of the longest ones in the NBA. He only weighed 207 pounds, but he really, really helped himself in the two days because he played in the 5-on-5. Five five. He got up and down the floor. He showed a very impressive feel for the game, blocked a lot of shots, got a lot of dunks. you know. And, and people were kind of looking back at, at, at him and saying, you know, Rudy Gobert was here four years ago at this combine and he wasn't half as good as Jonathan John. Actually, Rudy Gobert got destroyed at that combine. And that was one of the big reasons why he fell at the end of the first round. Jonathan John performed a lot better. I'm not saying that he's better than Rudy Gobert, but it's an interesting comparison because they have such, such similar physical tools at the same age. And so um, Jonathan John, without a doubt, helped himself. And he's, he really moved himself into, into the, 
first-round conversation now. Good for him. Why didn't we see more Euros? Well, because unfortunately they're playing, and it's very difficult for them to get out of their team in season. Their teams are not really looking to play ball. Jean and Jean's team is pretty much done because they've been relegated to the second division, and his rights are owned by another team regardless. So um, he was kind of in a situation where his agent you know, had a good relationship with a team and said, hey, just let this guy go for a week. Um, it, you're going to make some money out of it. You know, it'll it'll help his buyout, whatever. And so, it, it, unfortunately, it's a um, very, very rare uh, situation he was in. That's why we have you on to explain this stuff for us. Jonathan Gavoni from uh, Draft Express. Check out his website, draftexpress.com. A must-follow on Twitter as well, at Draft Express. All right, so we know the top guys weren't there. Like you said, Fultz showed up, but then left down. Fox showed up, uh, at least talked to a couple teams, but then got out of there. But most of the other players who are projected in the top 10 decided not to participate. So it's bottom of the lottery all the way through the second round. They did have a lot of players there. Um, it seemed to me like a bigger number than usual. Is that accurate? Yeah, because of all these guys pulling out, they were able to invite a lot more borderline players to come and participate, and all those guys are forced to play five-on-five. Five. So they had about 40 guys actually playing in addition to the 20 to 25 guys that were sitting out and just doing various things, particularly athletic testing, some of the shooting drills, stuff like that. All right, who were you mentioned? Uh, the the Jean kid from uh, uh, Europe who looked really good and impressed and moved his stock up. I, I saw both you and others tweeted about what the none and done young man Dialu, uh, who went to Kentucky for the second semester last year, didn't play, just practiced but said he wanted to be at the Combine. He hasn't completely declared yet, and he may go back to Kentucky, but apparently after what he showed in Chicago this week, he looks like he's headed to the NBA draft. Uh, if he's a first-rounder, where in the first round would you target him? How high did he potentially move up, and is there still room for him to move up uh, between now and the draft? Yeah, I've heard some opinions about people that thought that he helped himself. I mean, I, I don't really – I mean, all he did was, was jump – 44 and a half inches on the vertical leap, but he, he didn't really do anything else that we didn't. I mean, we already knew that he was an explosive athlete, so he's still in the second round on my draft board. I mean, if you look at some of the guys that he tested similarly to, you're talking about guys like Shane Larkin, like DJ Steffens, um, you know, like Kenny Gregory, like Pat Connaughton, like Kay Felt. I mean, we're not talking about guys that are NBA All-Stars, so the fact that he tested so freakishly well you know i mean i always think back to troy bell you know who moved himself into the you know the middle of the first round by testing out great and then you know flamed out of the nba i mean he had some injury issues too but so i don't honestly put a lot of stock in the athletic testing i mean when when nba teams went to go see this guy play during the season and i was there he didn't show any will whatsoever to compete i mean he wasn't interested in playing defense or, you know, I mean, he just, and so he was very lethargic. A lot of teams remember that. And so the team that I talked to say, you know, this guy is not only incredibly raw, but when we went, when we went to go see him play, he showed us nothing. So, and then we went to go see him practice at Kentucky and he showed us nothing. So, you know, there's some buzz about him. I don't know where it's coming from, but um, I, I'm not necessarily sure that he's a first round pick, but I, I'm in the minority in that, I guess. Okay, fair enough. Uh, John Lingavoni, our guest here from Draft Express on CBS Sports Radio. All right, two particular players. I know your last mock, you had them both in the second round, uh, both toward the bottom of the second round. Guys 
who really opened up my eyes in the tournament. Uh, I caught him a couple times during the season, but they just went to a new level in the tournament. And I thought both played well this week at the Combine. Um, Sandarius Thornwell from South Carolina and Tyler Dorsey from Oregon. I know neither one of them have the now prototypic NBA size. We want to see guards who are 6'8 or 6'9, and neither of these guys are, but neither is Steph Curry, and he's still doing what he's doing in the NBA. Uh, you have them both as second rounders. Could they move up from where you have them? You have them in the 50s, and or you got uh, Dorsey as the last pick, Mr. Irrelevant in the draft at number 60 as of right now. Did they help their stock as much as I thought watching it the other day? I thought Dorsey definitely helped himself. Uh, he, you know, he, he he measured a little bit better than we thought. He's six five. He still has does have very short arms, but he just he scored the ball extremely well from all over the floor. He was not forcing the issue in the least bit. He tried to compete on defense, which is important. And um, I thought, you know, and he, he shot. You know, he made fifty five, fifty six percent of his threes while he's out there, which is. You know that that's a that's a high number. Um, Thornwell, I thought struggled. Um, you know, he just he couldn't put the ball in the basket to save his life. I mean, they, he all he shot with very poor percentages. Um, his three ball looked like it had a long ways to go to translate to the NBA range, which is you know which one of the big concerns about him. And um, you know, he it was difficult to score on him, but it was also difficult for him to score on anybody. So. I could see him, you know, getting drafted somewhere in that second round and just, you know, being cast as a, you know, a defensive stopper because he's so strong and long and tough and aggressive. But offensively, I think it's going to be a real challenge for him. And, you know, if you only scouted him in the NCAA tournament, I think, um, you know, you'd be surprised hearing that. But, I mean, that's really who he is. Fair enough. All right, uh, last thing, Jonathan, we appreciate and we'll get you on again before the draft actually comes down. Um, I remember last year, both you and I were high on Scott LeBissier from uh, Kentucky, and he had a less than stellar season, and he fell in the draft, but some people thought that uh, Phoenix got a steal by taking him where they did. He had a less than stellar rookie season. Didn't quite live up to either your or my expectations. You and I both were very high on Harry Giles before the year started. Talking to my guys who see the high school and the AAU stuff, they told me he was as talented a player as there was in the country. Injury issues to start the year just never got into the mix in Krzyzewski's rotation. Why do I fear that Harry Giles is this year's Scala Bissier? I think they're very different. I actually thought Scal had a fantastic rookie year relative to where he was drafted. I mean, he, he went... I think uh, 28th in the draft and had some huge games um, the last two or three months of the season. I know Sacramento Kings fans are very, very excited. Uh, you know, even before that DeMarcus Cousins trade, he was put, he had a couple of huge games. And then after it, I mean, he was awesome. I mean, that game against the Spurs, for example. Um, so I, I think Scal played a, probably played had one of the top 10 seasons of any any rookies in this draft class so i know the kings fans are very very excited about him as is their front office harry giles is a different story to me i mean he, he he's not going to fall for the same reasons that scal did scal they just thought he's soft you know i mean he doesn't rebound that he like basketball which is proven to be you know somewhat inaccurate based on just how well he rebounded in the nba this past season Harry Giles, it's all about the medicals with him. I mean, it's all about the knees. He's had three knee surgeries. And um, so teams are really concerned about, you know, is there going to be a fourth at some point down the line here? So, um, 
he he there's not a big body of work there just in which is somewhat similar to scow and the fact that he didn't play a lot and he was he was not particularly effective when he did it was tough for him to shake off the rust and um you know i i he's more of a of a defensive guy um he's a tremendous rebounder um he's ex- extremely long very limited offensively but um He's a guy that's going to get looks in that 20 to 40 range. It's just a very crowded draft for big men, and so it's just very hard to project where any of these guys are going to go. I think in like at 11 through 40 range, you know, 30 spots, there's something like, you know, yeah, 19 or 20. Or so they just can't all go in the first round. There just isn't any market for big men in today's NBA. You, every time you turn on the TV and you put on an NBA game. You know, they're all playing small. So I don't think, I mean, a lot of, there's going to be a lot of surprises on draft night with a lot of big guys falling to the second round. I feel like and one of them could be Giles and one of them, I mean, someone could still take him in the 20s, I think. Tuesday night, we'll start to get a little bit better grasp on it. We'll know the official order with the NBA draft lottery. And then come June, uh, we'll get our good buddy Jonathan Gaboni to come on again and help us uh, plot it out before the NBA teams make their selections. Jonathan, great stuff. As always, we appreciate it whenever you come on. Thanks, bud. Thanks for having me, Jody.